Section One of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume Eight. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume Eight, by Anonymous, translated by Richard Francis Burton. Section One. When it was the seven hundred and seventy-seventh night, she resumed, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the old queen heard the handmaid's words, she was wroth with sore wrath because of her, and cried, How shall there be accord between man and jinn? But Saif al-Muluk replied, Indeed I will conform to thy will, and be thy page, and die in thy love, and will keep with thee covenant and regard none but thee so right soon shalt thou see my truth and lack of falsehood and the excellence of my manly dealing with thee inshallah the old woman pondered for a full hour with brow earthwards bent after which she raised her head and said to him o thou beautiful youth wilt thou indeed keep compact and covenant he replied yes by him who raised the heavens and dispread the earth upon the waters i will keep faith and troth thereupon quoth she i will win for thee thy wish inshallah but for the present go thou into the garden and take thy pleasure therein and eat of its fruits that have neither like in the world nor equal whilst i send for my son shayal and confabulate with him of the matter nothing but good shall come of it so allah please for he will not gainsay me nor disobey my commandment and i will marry thee with his daughter badia al-jamal so be of good heart for she shall assuredly be thy wife o saif al-muluk the prince thanked her for those words and kissing her hands and feet went forth from her into the garden while she turned to marjana and said to her Go seek my son, Shayal, wherever he is, and bring him to me. So Marjana went out in quest of King Shayal, and found him, and set him before his mother. On such wise fared it with them. But as regards Saif al-Muluk, whilst he walked in the garden, lo and behold, five jinn of the people of the blue king espied him, and said to one another, Whence cometh yonder white, and who brought him hither? Haply tis he who slew the son and heir of our lord and master the blue king. Presently adding, But we will go about with him and question him and find out all from him. So they walked gently and softly up to him as he sat in a corner of the garden, and sitting down by him said to him, O beauteous youth, thou didst right well in slaying the son of the blue king and delivering him from Daulat Khatun, for he was a treacherous hound and he tricked her and had not allah appointed thee to her she had never won free no never but how didst thou slay him saif al-muluk looked at them and deeming them of the garden folk answered i slew him by means of this ring which is on my finger therewith they were assured that it was he who had slain him so they seized him two of them holding his hands whilst other two held his feet and the fifth his mouth lest he should cry out and king shayal's people should hear him and rescue him from their hands 
then they lifted him up and flying away with him ceased not their flight till they came to their king and set him down before him saying o king of the age we bring thee the murderer of thy son where is he asked the king and they answered this is he so the blue king said to Saif al-Muluk, How slewest thou, my son, the core of my heart and the light of my sight, without aught of right, for all he had done thee no ill deed? Quoth the prince, Yea, verily, I slew him because of his violence and frowardness, in that he used to seize king's daughters and sever them from their families, and carry them to the ruined well, and the high-builded castle of Japhet, son of Noah, and entreat them lewdly by debauching them i slew him by means of this ring on my finger and allah hurried his soul to the fire and the abiding place dire therewithal the king was assured that this was indeed he who slew his son so presently he called his wazirs and said to them this is the murtherer of my son and shadow of doubt so how do you counsel me to deal with him shall i slay him with the foulest slaughter or torture him with the terriblest torments or how quoth the chief minister cut off his limbs one a day another beat him with a grievous beating every day till he die a third cut him across the middle a fourth chop off all his fingers and burn him with fire a fifth crucify him and so on each speaking according to his reed now there was with the blue king an old emir versed in the vicissitudes and experienced in the exchanges of the times and he said o king of the age verily i would say to thee somewhat and thine is the reed whether thou wilt hearken or not to my say now he was the king's privy counsellor and the chief officer of his empire and the sovereign was wont to give ear to his word and conduct himself by his counsel and gainsay him not in aught so he rose and kissing ground before his liege lord said to him o king of the age if i advise thee in this matter wilt thou follow my advice and grant me indemnity quoth the king set forth thine opinion and thou shalt have immunity then quoth he o king of the age and this slay this one nor accept my advice nor hearken to my word in very sooth i say that his death were now inexpedient for that he is thy prisoner and in thy power and under thy protection so when as thou wilt thou mayst lay hand on him and do with him what thou desirest have patience then o king of the age for he hath entered the garden of iram and is become the betrothed of badia al-jamal daughter of king shayal and one of them thy people seized him there and brought him hither and he did not hide his case from them or from thee so an thou slay him assuredly king shayal will seek blood revenge and lead his host against thee for his daughter's sake and thou canst not cope with him nor make head against his power so the king hearkened to his counsel and commanded to imprison the captive thus fared it with saif al-muluk but as regards the old queen grandmother of badia al-jamal when her son shayal came to her she dispatched marjana in search of saif al-muluk but she found him not and returning to her mistress said i found him not in the garden so the ancient dame sent for the gardeners and questioned them of the prince quoth they 
we saw him sitting under a tree when behold five of the blue king's folk alighted by him and spoke with him after which they took him up and having gagged him flew away with him when the old queen heard the damsel's words it was no light matter to her and she was wroth with exceeding wrath so she rose to her feet and said to her son king shayal art a king and shall the blue king's people come to our garden and carry off our guests unhindered and thou alive and she proceeded to provoke him saying it behoveth not that any transgress against us during thy lifetime answered he o mother of me this man slew the blue king's son who was a genie and allah threw him into his hand he is a genie and i am a genie how then shall i go to him and make war on him for the sake of a mortal but she rejoined go to him and demand our guest of him and if he be still alive and the blue king deliver him to thee take him and return but an he have slain him take the king and all his children and harem and household depending on him then bring them to me alive that i may cut their throats with my own hand and lay in ruins his reign except thou go to him and do my bidding i will not acquit thee of my milk and my rearing of thee shall be counted unlawful and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say when it was the seven hundred and seventy-eighth night she said it hath reached me o auspicious king that the grandmother of badia al-jamal said to shayal fare thee to the blue king and look after Saif al-muluk if he be still in life come with him hither but an he have slain him take that king and all his children and harem and the whole of his dependents and protégés and bring them here alive that i may cut their throats with my own hand and ruin his realm except thou go to him and do my bidding i will not acquit thee of my milk and my rearing of thee shall be accounted unlawful thereupon shayal rose and assembling his troops set out in deference to his mother desiring to content her and her friends and in accordance with what so had been foreordained from eternity without beginning nor did they leave journeying till they came to the land of the blue king who met them with his army and gave them battle the blue king's host was put to the rout and the conquerors having taken him and all his sons great and small the grandees and officers bound and brought them before king shayal who said to the captain o azrak where is the mortal saif al-muluk who willem was my guest answered the blue king o shayal thou art a genie and i am a genie and isn't on account of a mortal who slew my son that thou hast cast this deed yea the murther of my son the core of my liver and solace of my soul how couldst thou work such work and spill the blood of so many thousand jinn he replied leave this talk knowest thou not that a single mortal is better in allah's sight than a thousand jinn if he be alive bring him to me and i will set thee free and all whom i have taken of thy sons and people but an thou have slain him i will slaughter thee and thy sons quoth malik al-azrak o king is this man of more account with thee than my son and quoth shayal verily thy son was an evil-doer who kidnapped king's daughters and shut them up in the ruined well 
and the high-builded castle of Japhet, son of Noah, and entreated them lewdly. Then said the blue king, He is with me, but make thou peace between us. So he delivered the prince to Shayal, who made peace between him and the blue king, and Al-Azrak gave him a bond of absolution for the death of his son. Then Shayal conferred robes of honour on them, and entertained the blue king and his troops hospitably for three days, after which he took Seyf al-Muluk and carried him back to the old queen, his own mother, who rejoiced in him with an exceeding joy. And Shayal marvelled at the beauty of the prince, and his loveliness and his perfection. Then the prince related to him his story from beginning to end, especially what did befall him with Badia al-Jamal. And Shayal said, O my mother, since tis thy pleasure that this should be, I hear and I obey all that to command it pleaseth thee. Wherefore do thou take him and bear him to Sarandib, and there celebrate his wedding, and marry him to her in all state, for he is a goodly youth, and hath endured horrors for her sake. So she and her maidens set out with Saif al-Muluk for Sarandib, and entering the garden belonging to the Queen of Hind, foregathered with Daulat Khatun and Badia al-Jamal. Then the lovers met, and the old queen acquainted the two princesses with all that had passed between Saif al-Muluk and the blue king, and how the prince had been near hand to a captive's death, but in reputation is no fruition. Then King Taj al-Muluk, father of Daulat Khatun, assembled the lords of his land and drew up the contract of marriage between Saif al-Muluk and Badia al-Jamal, and he conferred costly robes of honour and gave banquets to the lieges. Then Saif al-Muluk rose, and kissing ground before the king, said to him, O king, pardon, I would fain ask of thee somewhat, but I fear lest thou refuse it to my disappointment. Taj al-Muluk replied, By Allah, though thou sortest my soul of me, I would not refuse it to thee, after all the kindness thou hast done me. Quoth Saif al-Muluk, I wish thee to marry the princess Daulat Khatun to my brother, Said, and we will both be thy pages. I hear and obey, answered Taj al-Muluk, and assembling his grandees a second time, let draw up the contract of marriage between his daughter and Said, after which they scattered gold and silver, and the king bade decorate the city. So they held high festival, and Saif al-Muluk went in unto Badia al-Jamal, and Said went in unto Daulat Khatun on the same night. Moreover, Saif al-Muluk abode forty days with Badia al-Jamal, at the end of which she said to him, O king's son, say me, is there left in thy heart any regret for aught? And he replied, Allah forfend, I have accomplished my quest, and there abideth no regret in my heart at all. But I would fain meet my father and my mother in the land of Egypt, and see if they continue in welfare or not. So she commanded a company of her slaves to convey them to Egypt, and they carried them to Cairo, where Saif al-Muluk and Said foregathered with their parents, and abode with them a week, after which they took leave of them, and returned to Sarandib city, and from this time forwards, whenever they longed for their folk, they used to go to them and return. Then Saif al-Muluk and Badia al-Jamal abode in all solace of life and its joyance, 
as did Said and Daulat Khartoum, till there came to them the destroyer of delights and severer of societies, and they all died good Muslims. So glory be to the living one who dieth not, who createth all creatures, and decreeth to them death, and who is the first without beginning, and the last without end. This is all that hath come down to us, of the story of Saif al-Muluk and Badia al-Jamal, and Allah alone wotteth the truth. But not less excellent than this tale is the history of Hassan of Bazora. There was once of days of yours, and in ages and times long gone before, a merchant, who dwelt in the land of Basora, and who owned two sons and wealth galore. In due time Allah, the all-hearing, the all-knowing, decreed that he should be admitted to the mercy of the Most High. So he died, and his two sons laid him out and buried him, after which they divided his gardens and estates equally between them, and of his portion each one opened a shop. Presently the elder son, Hassan Height, a youth of passing beauty and loveliness, symmetry and perfect grace, betook himself to the company of lewd folk, women and low boys, frolicking with them in gardens and feasting them with meat and wine for months together, and occupying himself not with his business like as his father had done, for that he exulted in the abundance of his good. After some time he had wasted all his ready money, so he sold all his father's lands and houses, and played the wastrel, until there remained in his hand nothing, neither little nor muchel. Nor was one of his comrades left who knew him. He abode thus anhungered, he and his widowed mother, three days, and on the fourth day, as he walked along, unknowing whither to wend, there met him a man of his father's friends, who questioned him of his case. He told him what had befallen him, and the other said, O oh my son, I have a brother who is a goldsmith, and thou wilt, thou shalt be with him, and learn his craft, and become skilled therein. Hassan consented, and accompanied him to his brother, to whom he commended him, saying, In very sooth this is my son, do thou teach him for my sake. So Hassan abode with the goldsmith, and busied himself with the craft, and Allah opened to him the door of gain, and in due course he set up shop for himself. One day, as he sat in his booth in the bazaar, there came up to him an Ajami, a foreigner, a Persian, with a great white beard and a white turban on his head, having the semblance of a merchant who, after saluting him, looked at his handiwork and examined it knowingly. It pleased him, and he shook his head, saying, By Allah, thou art a cunning goldsmith what may be thy name hassan replied the other shortly the persian continued to look at his wares whilst hassan read in an old book he hent in hand and the folk were taken up with his beauty and loveliness and symmetry and perfect grace till the hour of mid-afternoon prayer when the shop became clear of people and the persian accosted the young man saying o oh my son thou art a comely youth what book is that thou hast no sire and i have no son and i know an art than which there is no goodlier in the world and shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased saying her permitted say End of section one.